You're listening to XVGM Radio. Welcome to XVGM Radio, where the bits keep coming. That's Mike. And that's Justin. Ha! Almost screwed you up there. <laughs> and uh, this is episode 83. Spooky Fest 2021. Yes. I'll let you take the reins on that yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> man. I went full, full boar, full, full ghost, full, full boar ghost. <laughs> full boar ghost. Full boar ghost. 20, 20 to 50 wild boars? Yeah, yeah. Wild boar ghosts? <laughs> 2021 wild boar ghosts. Yes. So, um, yeah, if you didn't know, we are doing this outdoors in a in a safe location. The craziness of 2020 was is still going on with the COVID coronavirus pandemic. 
but uh, we're we're all vaxxed up. We all we got our shots. We're good to go. And uh, all the people that are here had to be undead. So uh, mm. yeah, you can't catch COVID from a zombie. No, no, you can catch other things. Zombie diseases like zombie trichinosis. I don't know. <laughs> what? Oh, boy. We came in with Super Mario 3D Land, which is a 3DS game. came out in 2011, and the track that we came in on was Boo Waltz, also known as Waltz of the Boos. It's the arranged version of that song. And the original composers on that one were Mahito Yokota and, of course, Lord Koji Kondo. He should be lorded. Like, he should be knighted or whatever. If, if he isn't already. Maybe, yeah. Maybe, maybe he was made a... I'm like, he's Japanese, so do, do, they, do they still samurai people? Oh, I, I feel like that's I don't know. That's a good honor. Not the same as knighting. Though. Probably not. No. Anyways, the arrangers on this were Asuka Hayazaki, Takeshi Hama, and Mahito Yokota. So, yeah, Mahito came back and arranged it. Oh, it was really, really good. I remember mm-hmm. we, we were originally going to do the Super Mario Galaxy version of this. Right. Which is the original, I believe. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. the original, and it's it's a lot more symphonic. Yeah. Uh, and I don't get me wrong, I like it, and we literally swapped it out at the last that's minute that, because yeah, yeah. I was on YouTube trying to find information about the track as far as, like, what level this came from. I'm assuming it's, like, a ghost level or something like that. I It's been a long time since I played yeah. Mario Galaxy. But somebody in the comments was like, oh, I love the arranged version on 3D Land. And yeah. I was like, there was an arranged version on 3D Land? I don't remember because I've gotten really far in 3D Land. It's a really good game. but which, Remind me, which one is 3D Land? That is the 3DS one. It's kind of like, like Mario 3? It's kind of like you, you played Mario 3D World. They took the concept of, well, this came before um, Mario 3D World, slightly before it. But it's basically smaller cube-shaped levels, kind of. Oh, okay. Um, I, I did play this one, too, actually. Yeah, it kind of reminds me a little bit of, like, the Captain Toad levels. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's mm-hmm. kind of like that in a way, uh, at least in terms of the way that some of the levels are designed. But it was really fun. Yeah, yeah. It, it was kind of a return to form, like a like a back-to-basics sort of thing for, for 3D Mario right. games. Yeah. It, 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 it was cool. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Like, yeah. I, I've talked about how I, I'm not really a huge fan of Mario 64, just because mm-hmm. even though they they, they changed things up going back to the levels. It yeah. felt very CMC to me. Okay. This, uh, I, I remember having a lot of fun with. I don't know if I totally beat it. I mm. know, like, Super Mario. I didn't beat it. Yeah. The the, the, the the other one on the DS, the new Super Mario World or whatever, mm-hmm. like, uh, that that I did beat and do everything. This one, if I didn't beat it, I got really far. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And the music throughout the game was, it was great. great. But, I mean, Good that stuff. goes without saying. Oh, for sure, yeah. This level, though, it, it's the music that plays in the Boo House. Yeah, Like, yeah. the... the Ghost houses. I really like the 3DS. Like it's a it's a really fun handheld. I Had a lot of really good games. Yeah, I am not I'm not big on the 3D feature. Mm-hmm. Um, I, have, I have a 2DS. I, I actually need to get myself a new 2DS because mm-hmm. I, I like the I, I want the clamshell style. Oh yeah. But yeah, no the the, the system and the, the games on it are, are mm-hmm. great. I've had a lot of fun with them. Yeah, for sure. We don't need to talk about Koji Kondo <laughs> because you know Koji Kondo. But Mahito Yokota started off with Sayuki Journey West in 1999, was primarily like a Koei Tecmo composer working with games like Kessen in the sequel, Crimson Sea, Dynasty Warriors 4, and uh, it wasn't until 2004 that they switched over. They started working for Nintendo doing games like Donkey Kong Jungle Beat, Wii Music, Super Mario Galaxy, uh, Mario 3D Land, 
Mario Kart 8, you know, the list goes on and on. Yeah. Their latest game was Mario Golf Super Rush in 2021, where they were a sound supervisor. Uh, Asuka Hayazaki started out in 2004 doing music on Legend of Zelda Four Swords Adventure and has stuck with Nintendo ever since. New Super Mario Brothers in 2006, Wii Fit Plus in 2009, Dogs and Cats, uh, all of them in 2011, <laughs> uh, and most recently Ring Fit Adventure in 2019 they did music on, uh, and all, all the other ones that I mentioned she did music on as well. Sure. Takeshi Hama first game was Holy Invasion of Privacy Bad Man. <laughs> what did I do to deserve this in 2007? Why do I feel like we've talked about that game before? Well, the it is, is a PSP game. Yeah, it's by NIS, or it's published by NAS America. So, mm. I don't know. It does sound familiar, but... Yeah, I feel like you and I have talked about it before. Probably. That name is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, and then after Mario 3D Land, he did Zelda Skyward Sword and Ocarina of Time 3D. He did the conversion to that, and his latest game was 428 Shibuya Scramble in 2018. He did the theme song. Hmm. Yeah, so that's about it. Very cool. I really like the grindy nature of this track, like maybe like in the middle of it when it starts to pick up a little bit. It's a lot more electronic. Yeah, I was just going to say where it gets a, lot, uh, a, bit, a bit more electronic. Yeah. I, I like that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like how throughout the entire song they, they have really good use of stereo effects. Like yeah. in the beginning you have the, the sounds going between and then as you get more to the electronic stuff it kind of just sweeps left and right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was really cool. But no, I, I, I agree the electronic stuff that they, that they added in, the, in this arrangement was really neat and I, I think brought a different kind of feel than the original. Yeah, certainly a different flavor. Yeah. So we've got Janine DJing for us for this show. It's going to be a great time. Go grab yourself some candy and uh, hang out with us on the uh, side stage area away from the zombies. Yes. And uh, Justin's going to go ahead and play his first pick. Yeah, so uh, we are going to hear from a little game called Monster in My Pocket. This game came out on the NES in 1992. The track is Last Battle at Monster Mountain, and it was composed by Hiroshi Takayasu and Kozo Nakamura.
All right, that was Last Battle at Monster Mountain from 1992's Monster in My Pocket. That came out in the NES and was composed by Hiroshi Takayasu and Kozo Nakamura. This one really surprised me. It was great. When I say it, it surprised me, it's not like, oh, I expected it to be bad. Oh, yeah. It was more like... I knew this game and I forgot about this oh. soundtrack, so it was like one of those things like, oh man, I forgot that this soundtrack exists and it's great and the game is great. So. Yeah, I'd never heard of the game. Oh really? Uh, so yeah, I, I found this on a, a just by complete chance <laughs> and I was listening to the, to the to the soundtrack mm. and a lot of the tracks were really good. Like I knew I was gonna pick this to, to do, yeah. but I got to this and I was just like, oh man, this <laughs> sounds so like it just sounded. It is my favorite track on the on the soundtrack. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> It's funny, though, because uh, during the break, we were going back and forth on the origins of the sound. You were like, oh, it sounds like Capcom to me. It sounds like Mega Man. And I'm like, what? Yeah. And I'm like, yo, this is straightforward, like, Konami. As you start explaining it a little bit, mostly, like, stuff with the melody. Yeah, like, the, the drums just with that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds like a, a number of things. That yeah. Mega Man gallop. Exactly. Yeah. And then the sound font itself, like, not all the time, but there's mm. just a number of sounds... And, and notes that they hit that, that really hit that sweet Mega Man note in my head. Yeah. Despite the fact that the composition is very, very Konami. Yeah. Like, the actual sound to me just reminded me of Mega Man. Yeah. This game is is kind of like a, a Castlevania meets Mega Man kind of action game. You're moving from left to right or whatever. You're playing as either, what, like Frankenstein or like... Or, the, or a bit the vampire? Vampire, yeah. He's not Dracula. Dracula. No, yeah. It's va- vampire and the monster. The, right. The, the monster is, is Frankenstein's monster. They probably really tried to, you know, keep it in line with the, the, the monster toys. in my pocket toys. Yeah, the but, toys in the comics. Right, right. So, you know, they had all these, like, generic names. I, I never really collected them. I always wanted them, but I never collected them. I thought they were the coolest thing ever, the toys. Yeah, the, them and, like, Garbage Pail Kids. Like, yeah. it, it was during that, like, collection craze yeah. in, the, uh, in, in the 80s mm-hmm. uh, and, and early. In early 90s, yeah. Yeah. You know what I collected is the ninjas. Do you remember the ninjas? No. So, like, if you went to Toys R Us, uh, when you were on your way out, they had those gumball machines. Yeah, yeah. And they used to have these little ninjas, these rubber ninjas. And they were all different colors, and they had different weapons depending on which one you got. Mm -hmm. So, like, let's say, for example, there was, like, four green ones or four yellow ones or four blue ones or four purple ones or whatever. And they all had different, like ninja-based weapons like the shurikens, yeah. the sword, you know, the the, the saber blade, whatever, the yeah. nunchucks, all that stuff. And they would sell them for like 25 cents a pop or 50 cents a pop or whatever. Yeah, little, yeah you put the coins in, you turn the dial, and, you know, you get the, the little toy. And, man, I love those things. I Those I collected. Like, I had so many of them by... Uh, every time I went to Toys R Us, I'm like, well, I'm dead, I'm quarter or whatever, <laughs> you know, so... Yeah... I used to but like, never these. Yeah, no, no, same. I. They were more expensive because they were more detailed. Oh well, yeah, well these weren't in uh, in the the gumball machines. Though. These no, were, like, no, no, no. Like toys that you buy. Yeah, these yeah. were actual toys that you buy. But like I would see them in the store, but I would never like I could never convince my parents to buy them. They'd be like, yeah. "You have enough of these like little dumb ninja things. You don't need any more of these." Yeah, yeah. The, the story behind the toys, mm-hmm. uh, or at, least, at the very least, the story that they created for the game, the, game, mm. the animated uh, special, and the comics. Oh, I didn't know there was an animated special. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. I think it was like a one, a one shot. Mm-hmm. We had Monster in My Pocket, The Big Screen, produced oh. by Hanna Barbera. Okay. 
uh, the warlock. So all, all of the monsters are just the name of the monster. Right. So it's it's not like the warlock named whatever. It's warlock. Right. Uh, wanted to have power and like rule over all the monsters. So he creates a shrinking spell to punish any monsters that oppose him. Because he's basically like saying, hey, join me or, you know, or don't. But I'm going to take over the world. <laughs> join me or be tiny. Yeah, basically. Right. But uh, he messes it up and uh, accidentally makes all the monsters tiny. Ruh row. Yeah. And so the main ones that opposed him uh, were Vampire and the monster. Sure. Science monster. Yeah. Although over time other monsters kind of came uh, came over to the like the, the quote unquote good side. Mm. What I really think is funny is Werewolf is one of those monsters and he is on the cover for the for this game. Sure. He does not appear in the game at all. Oh that's funny. <laughs> no. There, okay, there, there's a number of things they just kind of like either left out or didn't really yeah. have the ability to, to do and because the the series, or because it was a franchise, like they, they used the art for the franchise Monster Man. Right, right, yeah. Because yeah. that that box art looks familiar. I think it's the box art that's on the packaging. I think for so. the toys, yeah. right? It, it, yeah, it's like a jean pocket with all the monsters yes. pushing out of it. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I gotta look those up on eBay. See if I can get a couple. Yeah, that'd be dope. <laughs> But the, the other monsters that actually became good uh, were Werewolf, Vampirus, Golem, Swamp Beast, Fan of the Opera, Jotun Troll. Fan of the Opera? Yeah, right. Okay. Invisible Man, Dr. Jekyll, and the Mummy. Oh, uh, but cool. They, none of them were actually in the game. Oh, all right then. <laughs> interesting. It's, yeah, it, it's an interesting interesting little franchise that like I just don't remember, and I'm sure I saw it at some point when I was a kid. But, sure. Like, I didn't know there was a game for it. Yeah. And, man, I, I really regret missing out on this soundtrack. I have the game itself, and I've played it. I haven't beaten it. I've gotten pretty far. It's a tough game. I'd imagine. It's uh, it, it sneaks up on you, the difficulty. It's one of those things where, like, you will play the game, and you'll think it's easy based on the first level or two, and then it gets really tough, and you're like, oh, man. But it's it's a lot of fun. It's basically Chippendale's Rescue Rangers, where like you're running around these really really big levels, you know, uh, going through like dining rooms and kitchens, and, right? You right. know, all sorts of stuff oh, like yes, that, yes. sewers and whatnot, and everything is giant. Um, so like you know, but you have like superpowers, so you could like pick up a giant key and like throw it, you know, that sort of thing to like knock yeah. out the bad guys. I think there's like a, there's a, apparently a two player simultaneous mode. Yes, like there is. Chippendale. Yeah, but I, I think there's like like a fire ball or like a, a, a magic. Oh, maybe. Thing. I can't remember. Yeah, I, yeah. I haven't played the game in a while, but this is, it's a cool game. It's a lot of fun, and man, yeah, you totally nailed it with this soundtrack. Like, this this track is awesome. It's so good. Yeah. One, one last thing about the game. Mm. Uh, the, this game was released in the Asian territories, not as Monster in My Pocket. It was actually... They basically did a ROM hack and changed all the sprites, and uh, and it was Batman and Flash. <laughs> and, and so instead of Vampire and the Monster as the, as the yeah. characters, it was Batman, Batman and, and Flash. Flash. Oh, yeah. interesting. Okay, then. What about these composers? Yeah, Hiroshi Takayasu started out doing sound in Crackout in 1986, and a lot of his credits here are sound sound management but he is listed as composer for a handful of Beatmania games Beatmania a pen third mix in 1998 as well as Beatmania 1998 Dance Dance Revolution club version Dreamcast you know, Dreamcast edition he is listed as the composer or a composer nice uh, as well as Beatmania core remix in 2000 both of those and going up his last composition was Beatmania 6 mix and core remix in 2002 and his last his last credit is in 2006 for Dance Dance Revolution Ultramix 4 as a sound manager Kozo Nakamura started out doing sound design on Bio Miracle Bokute Upa. Yes, that's the game where you play as the baby for the Famicom. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yes. Okay. And uh, his other credits. So his only music credit that I see here is music design in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in 1990. But yeah, I think that's the NES game, the first NES game. Yes. Yes. So his last sound credit is uh, for Goemon Boken Jidai Katsugeki in 2000, and then in 2001 he did a voice in Konami Crazy Racer. Oh yes, yeah, the Game Boy Advance uh, kart racer. Mm. Good game. All right. Well, uh, as everybody knows, if you've been listening to the Spooky Fest mm-hmm. uh, in previous years that we've been doing this, uh, we have sponsors for this special event. It's the only way we can throw a, throw a, a festival this big. Absolutely. So, since this was your pick, uh, go ahead and read the uh, the first uh, sponsor. Oh yes. So, our first sponsor for the evening is Mean Jeans Tiny Monster Hunter Service. Mean Jeans Tiny Hunter Monster Service is back and better than ever. After taking on new management, we are prepared to take on all of your tiny monster nuisances. Got a tiny Dracula infestation? Kill him with Mean Gene. Frankenstein's monster tearing up your teeny tiny kitchen? Call Mean Gene. Musty merman clogging your drains? Call Mean Gene. Please. Visit our website for a 25% off coupon for the first treatment. Go to www.meangenewashere.com. All right, let's get into our next track. This is from a newer game that came out in 2020, exclusively for the moment on the PC. This is Friday Night Bunkin'. This is week two, spooky month. And it's also called Spooky Month South. This is by Kawhi Sprite, also known as Isaac Garcia. Welcome back to XVGM Radio's Spooky Fest 2021. That was Friday Night Funkin', the 2020 PC game. This was Week 2 Spooky Month South by Kawhi Sprite, also known as Isaac Garcia. Oh, man. That was so good. I love the the rap beats. And uh, it, it had a little bit of an 80s style with that little like random drum in there. The dunk. Oh, little yeah, Tom, yeah. you know, it kind of had like an electro vibe to it a little bit. Good, okay, good stuff. What do you uh, What do you think of this one? Uh, I thought it was really funky. Uh, I, 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 it's supposed to be a game called Friday Night, Night Funkin'. Funkin'. Yeah, but yeah, it was. I, I hadn't heard anything quite like this before. It reminded me a little bit of like some of the Parappa stuff, mm-hmm. except I, I was expecting to hear like actual lyrics. 
at some point, and and that didn't happen. So like the the, the vocalizations mm. were just really funny. Yeah, um, I was trying to listen to like what was going on in the background because like it sounded like there was kind of like a deep voiced person and um, yeah, like, I picked up on that words. too. Like I, in the beginning, I kept hearing "Ride with Me." Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's actually what was going on Maybe. or being said, but like I was kind of more interested in what was going on with that than the oh really yeah. oh okay interesting yeah i think the the kind of monkey vocals i guess you'll say yeah. or you could say about them they were the focus of the track with like you know you've got that backbeat yeah. in there and you've got the you know the solid drum work and, and everything you know the cool beat kind of mixed with like a lot of weird dark vibes in the background and that's yeah. kind of what gets that spooky feel to the track yeah. even though it is like based on like a spooky level or, or whatever for this particular track but the game itself is kind of you you mentioned parappa it's it's kind of like parappa meets ddr literally the parts of ddr on the top of the screen like the little arrows yeah, the four yeah. arrows so you've got to match that up uh, with whatever the person you're doing a rap battle against. So you're playing as, uh, I forget if he has like a main name or whatever, but I, I just always call him like the boyfriend character. I think his name's actually just like I was boyfriend. Gonna say, I think his name is actually boyfriend because yeah. his girlfriend's name is actually girlfriend. Girlfriend, right. So girlfriend is basically on the top of the speakers the whole time, hanging out and bobbing. She does this cute little like bob of her head back and forth and you know kind of wiggles like back and forth it's super cute the, the graphics themselves are are a very newgrounds esque and that makes sense cuz it's a game on newgrounds yes, so yes yeah but it's like wildly popular like this game is huge with the kids the kids. the kids. His game is huge with the kids. I'm shaking my cane. Congratulations, yeah. world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so old. This uh, game, you're doing this rap battle, and you're basically facing off uh, initially against her dad. Oh. So you're trying to, like, win her heart or win, win the respect of, like, her parents. Mm-hmm. So you face off against the dad who's, like, a demon rock star, ex-rock star or whatever. And then, like, you face off against the mom. And uh, then, like, all these other characters kind of come in and you're facing off against them, too. I, I played the game a little bit, like, just to kind of get a sense of it. And I love the soundtrack so much. I was, I remember I hit you up. I was like, yo. Yes. I was like, yo, we got to download the soundtrack and check it out and maybe do an episode on it. And then I kind of I kind of backed off about it because I was like, eh, everybody's doing, you know, stuff on Friday Night Funkin'. But I wanted to throw this in just because it's so different from what we usually play for, for you know, this time of the year. So, yeah. uh, you know, throwing in a rap track like this, you know, a rap dance track, I, I thought it was a, a good switch up. Yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. So Friday Night Funkin's composer Isaac Garcia, also known as Kawhi Sprite, they only have two games, this game and a game called Ritz, and both were released in 2020. So they uh, they recently had a Kickstarter for this game uh, to bring it to vinyl or something like that. Uh, they did a vinyl. They were doing a CD. They were doing a bunch of other stuff. I think they were adding on more levels. Like, they were going to add more levels. It's an open source game. Like, anybody yeah. can make levels to it. But they, the actual game developers, they got, like, t- tons of money for this for the Kickstarter and I'm kind of bummed because one of the Kickstarter like levels was we will make a PS1 version of this game and I'm like oh but they set the bar so high because they they probably would have to jump through hoops in order to do that and it would probably be very very expensive so it's like yo if we're gonna learn how to code on PS1 we're gonna (laughs) we wanna you know really set the bar stupid high so that if we're gonna do this it's you know not actually like I think they wanted to secretly do it but like at the same time it probably would have been a lot of work so they were like let's set the bar really ridiculously high 
and so they I don't think they met the goal. Man, that would have been dope to get a PS1 version of the game. Yeah, seriously. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that would have been cool. That's about it, though. But we do have a sponsor for this. Friday nights are getting funkier down at the Funky Fisherman. Join us every Friday night this October for a rap battle of the ages. Backwards caps and attitudes are required. Bring your best freestyle and make your rhymes spooky for a half-off drink special. Plus, girlfriends get in free and have special seating right on top of the speakers for the best seat in the house. Get here at 7 and stay till the clock strikes heaven. Come down to 612 Wharf Avenue, right next to the Gentleman's Club. Hmm, how convenient. Let's, let's move into your pick. Sure, yeah. So, uh, this next one is going to be, I feel like... Uh... I feel like every year you pick a track from either this game for Spooky Fest or its predecessor. Yeah, that, that's, that's what I was going to say. I, I looked through our list of tracks and yeah, I had not picked this one, so okay. it's, it's on the table. <laughs> this is Banjo-Tooie, the 2064 game. This is going to be Haunted Zone by Old King Cole, also known as Grant Kirkhope. <laughs> Thank you. 
Hey, welcome back. That was Banjo-Tooie on the N64 back in 2000. The track was The Haunted Zone, composed by Grant Kirkhope. Also known as Old King Cole. That's what he's credited that, as. That is how he is credited. Yeah. I, I, I like that nickname. Good old Grant. Good old Grant. Yes, <laughs> indeed. Grant's a cool dude. Uh, it was really great talking to him for those uh, two episodes that we had him on the show. You know, we learned a lot about Banjo-Tooie, Banjo-Kazooie, you know. His process in general. Yeah, yeah, and of course, Perfect Dark. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting because I'm so used to hearing Grant Kirkhope tracks that when I hear something that he did that wasn't Banjo-Kazooie mm-hmm. and it's not Perfect Dark, I'm like, <laughs> was that Grant, though? Like, was it? It's cool that he can kind of put his style to, you know, other stuff like outside of... Yeah those type of games but i'm just like i've played them so often that i'm i'm so used to this sound yeah he's like nailed it you know yeah there's a very specific just like way that he composes and then the, the sounds that he uses are are very unique as well and yeah like so one of the things that i really enjoyed about this track mm-hmm. is the variety of like not i mean the variety of instruments in like just up front but sure. also like the variety of classical spooky spooky <laughs> instruments like the theremin well like the theremin the organ mm. the baritone sax the i'm not sure if it's a marimba or a xylophone i'm pretty oh, that sure do, 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 do. yeah yeah i'm yeah. pretty sure it's a xylophone yeah, I, I think so it's hard for me to differentiate between the different percussion i think marimba is less like tubular bells ish yeah so to speak marimba i think both the mallets and the keys are Mm. wood where the xylophone the keys are metal metal right Um, yeah that's that's why i think this is more of a metal sound yeah yeah so metal (laughs) (laughs) xylophones are so metal bro yeah (laughs) exactly yeah yeah but yeah the the mixture of instruments uh, i feel is really one of the big things of aside from the obvious melody and whatnot but it's one of the big things that brings like that spooky element to this track. <laughs> I really like the fact that you can listen to most of Rare's soundtracks on the N64, and you can tell instrumentation-wise what the instrument is typically. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, a lot of Nintendo-developed games, they use that. You know, let's just use like synth MIDI. You know, and it just it it sounds good, but it's just sounds kind of flat yeah so to me like rare games had better music than the n64 you know nintendo developed games for the most part because the orchestral stuff kind of gets bland you know and and rare yeah like i like classical music don't get me wrong i like orchestral music and i like orchestral synth but i feel like rare really took advantage of instrumentizing their songs on the n64 to make the instruments sound like real instruments yeah and i mean we're talking 2000 at this point right so we had the ps1 Mm -hmm. we we had games that had redbook audio sure and when i feel like in the video game world when we when we went from midi and sound chips to redbook audio Mm -hmm. it was pardon the pun, a game changer. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then when you go back to the N64 and, you know, they, they have to use the sound chip and they have to use yeah. samples and whatnot mm-hmm. uh, to get them to sound almost Redbook audio like sure, that. Sure, like, That's also amazing. And that's one of the things that Rare was really good at, yeah. like you're saying. Agreed, agreed. This game, I mean, I really don't have much experience with it. I know we talked a lot about <laughs> it on the uh, on the episode where we, we, we interviewed Grant and David Wise, but it's... 
it's not I just don't I never played the sequel really I maybe played it for five minutes but hmm. like I played a lot I played a lot of the original because I rented it quite a bit gotcha I never owned it at the time I own it now but I, I, I never owned it I still don't own it actually I don't think I own Banjo-Tooie it's so always one of those games I was like I'll pick up eventually and now I'm sure it's expensive so probably but I have it on the, the Rare collection that Rare Replay collection oh, okay. so yeah, on know, the got it Xbox? there on the Xbox yeah, One yeah yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I know we talked a bit about the game when we talked about uh, mm-hmm. when we talked with Grant. Yeah, so listen, wise. listen to that episode for more detailed information. Yeah, but I mean, oh, the the gist it, it's two two years after the first game, and Gruntilda's sisters, uh, Mingella and Blabelda, <laughs> nice <laughs> use a a big dig machine to enter Spiral Mountain to set her free, and you know, then you know you're doing more or less the same thing, just mm-hmm. new uh, new areas, new things to collect. Yep. So, collectathon, they're fun. Yeah. Platformer ma- mascot, three D mascot platformer, Good all stuff. the rage. Oh yeah, <laughs> good stuff. Yes. Yeah. I don't think we need to talk about Grant. I we mean, uh, had him we on have. two episodes. Yes. We we had we had two good deep dives on him. So yeah. go back and listen to Perfect Dark or the Ukulele episode. Yes. Let's move into my next pick. This is a Game Boy game that uh, is done by Alberto Jose Gonzalez. Ooh. Uh, the game is called Otis Otifenton Baby Bruno's Alptram or Alptrom. And uh, this came out in 1998. It's called Ghostophobia. Let's give it a listen.
have joined us back on our Spooky Fest 2021 festival. And that track that you just heard was from Otis Ottafanton, Baby Bruno's Alptraum. And this came out in the Game Boy in 1998. The track is called Ghost Phobia, and it's by Alberto Jose Gonzalez, one of my favorite Game Boy composers. Absolutely. Yeah. What do you think of this track? Partway through, like maybe in, somewhere in the first minute, there was something about it that's not sounded familiar, but gave me kind of a familiar vibe or mm. a familiar feel. And I realized that the rhythm section uh, and... Uh, to a lesser extent, I think the melody, um, in certain areas, definitely the melody, um, had kind of like a medieval feel to it. Okay. It's got that pomp, pomp and circumstance kind of bump, 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 yeah. bump, bump, bounce to and, it, you know? Just like, yeah, and, and just like kind of like the... I don't know if that's the right word. The, yeah. It, it's definitely not, but I, I, <laughs> no. I don't know the right word either, so I'm going to let it slide. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, there, there's something to like just the, 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 the melody and the way that it carries itself. That yeah. reminds me of like... A waltz. Yeah. Like, Kinda. I, I was going to say almost like, like green sleeves type of a thing. Okay. But like just medieval music mm. in general. Like you go to a Ren Fair and you hear somebody playing on the like, pan flute or something like sure. that. Sure. And that, that's just kind of like the vibe I got out of it. Okay. And then towards like the end of the loop, they, they use that kind of theremin-esque thing to, to like throw a ghost. Yeah. A ghost. Into I the, know. Uh, the, the track. And I, I like that too. It, I, it's cheesy, but I love it. I, I really love theremin based stuff you know even if it's not an actual theremin you know which this is clearly not it's just a you know emulating that theremin wait the game boy can't do theremin no sadly samples uh don't (laughs) no no pcm samples of that quality this is one of uh alberto's more obscure games i would say so it's done by the company infograms uh that yeah they've they've been you know pretty much like all those game boy games that alberto was doing were, were by you know infograms it's based on a franchise that I'm not that familiar with. It's called Otis Autofenton. This game, the plot is basically, the character is, I think, an elephant. I'm pretty sure it's an elephant. He looks like an elephant. He goes to a magic show, but it's set in a nightmare world of Baby Bruno. So I guess Baby Bruno goes to this magic show, sees this uh, magician, doesn't know he's evil. He's all excited to go to this magic show. He gives his teddy bear, Honk, to the magician, and the magician stuffs him in his hat, and little do they know that he stuffed him into his own fantasy world, like evil fantasy world. So Bruno jumps into the hat, and uh, you're going through 128 different isometric levels that are basically puzzles. So you're, like, pushing things around, trying to, you know, collect different items and stuff like that. It's a lot of love. Yeah, it's, I mean, it seems very basic. It's kind of like a, like an Adventures of Lolo type, you know, style game, like mm. action. I don't want to say platformer because you're not really jumping that often or whatever. Like, it, it seems like there's less jumping in this game. Uh, more like pushing and pulling and that sort of thing. Mm. But that is the game. There's really not much to talk about. It's really hard to find. Uh, there's one copy available on eBay, and it's going for 150 bucks in Germany. <laughs> so. Oh, man. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I, I think it's just because it's a PAL exclusive. Like, you know, I believe it only came out in PAL territories. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this would have this would have been a good one for uh, the PAL episode that we did. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know. Save for PAL 2. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> so. PAL Electric Boogaloo. PAL, ooh, good one. Good save. <laughs> Alberto Jose Gonzalez, he's credited on this for Al- as Alberto Jose Gonzalez Pedraza. I don't know. He was credited like that in one of the things that I, that, 
that we played by him that I picked a, a while back. So yeah. I've seen that before. Yeah, maybe that's his full name, or, uh, I mean, he also goes by McAlby, Joe McAlby. He, he's got a bunch of different names that he goes by as far as his aliases, but yeah, no, this is Alberto Jose Gonzalez. He started off with Ghostbusters 2 in 1989 on the MSX and then continued on with games like Cool Ball in 1992, The Smurfs in 94, which I think we covered on the PAL episode, yep. Turok Rage Wars on the Game Boy Color in 1999, got a great soundtrack, and that's a pretty fun game. He did all the Turok games, by the way, on the Game yeah, Boy, yeah. so they all have great soundtracks. His latest game, uh, he, he kind of moved on to do like developer-type stuff, so uh, one of the games that he's more well-known for right now is the uh, Cursed Castilla game. Which is kind of like a ghouls and ghosts throwback oh, okay. style yeah. uh, game. Won a bunch of awards, I think. So, but his last game that he's credited for for sound is Elite Forces Unit 77 in 2009. He's kind of a hero to a lot of us uh, VGM <laughs> fanatics. He's very prominent in the VGM world, so to speak. If you ask him a question, yeah, he'll, he'll he'll answer it. He's always posting. Yeah stuff from you know stuff that he's worked on over the years stuff that he kind of unearthed and found and he's like oh hey i figured i'd upload this for you guys so you could see it like him and yuzo koshiro also go back and forth on twitter which is just like mind-blowing because it's like one amazing composer to another so yeah, yeah. it's pretty cool to watch them go back and forth that's really cool yeah so that's the game, that's the song, and it uh, looks like we've got somebody walking up, and that looks like, does that look like Ryan oh, McPherson, one yeah. of our patrons? Hey, hey Ryan. How's it going, Ryan? What's going on? You know what's awesome? The Quake theme. You guys play the Quake theme? I mean, sure. Yeah, that's, I, uh, it's not licensed. So yeah, <laughs> I don't see why not. Heck yeah, that's, uh, that, that is a, a good pick. So this is going to be Quake. This came out on the PC in 96, the Saturn in 97, and oddly enough, the N64 and the Amiga in 1998. Uh, the track is just called Quake Theme, and it was composed by Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails fame.
all the hits. All the bits. XVGM Radio. And that was... <laughs> Quake theme from Quake on the PC in 1996 and the Saturn 1997. We should mention that the N64 and the Amiga soundtracks from the games that came out in 1998 are not the same as right. the PC and the Saturn. So what you heard here was more PC Saturn. It yeah. was not more, it was PC Saturn. <laughs> I, I think the N64 version was done by the same guy that did the Doom 64 soundtrack. Okay. Believe, yeah. that, that would make sense. Similar games. Yeah, so totally different. Yeah, And, and not by... The actual composer to this, Trent Reznor from Menchance. Right. What do you think? Oh, classic. I used to love this game yeah. back in the day. Uh, this and Half-Life. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Classic Trent Industrial. Like, this yeah. is a super industrial track until it gets ambient and atmospheric. But even then... Yeah. Uh, like we it, cut it off early because it just, like, goes on and on. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, anybody who knows Nine Inch Nails and Trent Reznor, like, none of that is really out of the realm for him. Nine Inch Nails did a whole bunch of albums called Ghost 1 through 4, and a lot of that stuff is kind of atmospheric. Some mm. of it is more industrial, but like this fits right along with a lot of his Nine Inch Nails stuff mm. and a lot of that other stuff. And it's just very dirty, grungy, the, mm. like super overdriven guitars. Like yeah. a lot of a lot of industrial <laughs> tends to do that. But like, yeah, yeah, the, these were over, overdriven to the point where at certain points they even sound kind of glitchy. Yeah, and I'm sure that was like a filter or like some manipulation of the sound. Probably. I really enjoyed just how they kind of got those sounds out of there. So I have a confession. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am not really a huge Nine Inch Nails fan, but I gotta say, I did not like this soundtrack when it, oh, when no. the game came out. I didn't. <laughs> in fact, I never ever would mute music in games, except in Quake. Oh, wow. Quake was the only game that I was like, I'm just gonna turn the music off. And I would turn the music <laughs> down completely, and then I would put in a CD, because I was super, super into metal at the time. That stuff was way heavier, way harder hitting than this in my opinion, and since I was just not really a big industrial guy, like I liked Ministry, mm-hmm. but I just could never really get into industrial. I don't know what it is. Well, when when did you like Ministry? Is the most important question. Uh, I think there's an album called like uh, something something. Uh, mind is a terrible thing, thing to, to taste. taste. Yes, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that was that was a good album. That, that was a great album, yeah. actually. I think that was Jesus built my hot rod and some other things. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's pretty industrial. I, the only reason I ask is because like on my other podcast, Arcane Machine, yeah. we are doing one ministry song per album. Like, oh, go, cool. Doing an arc. Okay. And like, so you hear when they started, they were synth pop. Yeah. Like, not industrial For sure. at all. And then they they turned into industrial, and then they went industrial metal, and then they yeah. went. The, the, the last album that I that we just talked about was... They put on a new record, I think. They did, within the last month. Yeah. Rio Grande Blood. Okay. Like, the whole album is like speed metal. Oh, wow. <laughs> so That's cool. Yeah. I'll probably have to check that out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, 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 to me, it's the repetitive nature of mm-hmm. the music without any crazy melodies. Like, if you've got really epic melodies, mm-hmm. you know, like weedly, squeedly, meedly stuff on the guitar, I'm in. You can repeat it night and day. I'm I'm in because I get to hear it over and over and over again. But when you get like more simplistic type sounding, you know, music four four timing typically, you know, da 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 da, it doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't yeah. go anywhere. So I'm just kind of like I'll hear it a few times and I'll be like, this is cool. And then like after the fourth or fifth time, I'm like, okay, now do something else, and it doesn't. Yeah. So yeah. that's always been my biggest complaint with a lot of industrial 
music. So when I heard the soundtrack, <laughs> I just turned it off and played metal instead back in the day. But man, like I was playing it recently, and those zombie sounds hmm. in like the third level or second level are still super creepy. <laughs> like really nailed it down like really excellent sound effects mm. in this game the growling and snarling of the monsters that like jump after you yeah uh, yeah really cool stuff the explosion sounds when the the chainsaw dudes that throw the bombs like you know the the little ping ping of the sound of oh, the yeah. of the bomb like landing near your feet like just the sound design on this game was really incredible so that's why i always kept the sound effects on yeah. full blast but like the music i was turned down yeah yeah that's fair um, just to talk real quick about Trent Reznor, aside from all of the Nine Inch Nails <laughs> and licensed music that, that he's done, mm. as far as video games go, the first game that he did music for was this, Quake in 1996, and then he did sound effects for Quake the Offering in 1999. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Was and that like an expansion? It's what we would call Game of the Year edition these days. It's a, It was a compilation of Quake and the add-ons, Scourge of Armageddon, Dissolution of Eternity. Yeah. And uh, this new version of Quake that just came out, if you haven't picked it up and you're a Quake fan, go pick it up because there's a whole new bunch of maps. Like, there's Ooh. a whole new, like, expansion that was created, like, brand new. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, the rest of Trent's uh, movie games resume here is Nine Inch Nails tracks that were licensed for other games. Like sure. Like, Getting Smaller was in Tony Hawk Project 8. Mm -hmm. uh, the Hand That Feeds was in Rock Band in 2008. Mm -hmm. uh, the Mark Has Been Made was Need for Speed Undercover in 2008. And most recently, we've got 2012... Call of Duty Black Ops 2 was featuring the music of Nine Inch Nails mm. and Trent Reznor, and then Quake 2021, Trent did the sound effects. Cool. Very neat. Yeah. All right, let's get into a much more obscure game. This is a new game that came out this year, 2021. Came out on the Genesis, mm. and it's Curse of Ilmore Bay. And this track is called Scare Tonight, and it's by Sebastian Abreu.
thanks for joining us back on our spooky fest 2021 episode that track was from curse of ilmore bay the genesis exclusive which came out this year 2021 this track was called scare tonight and it's by sebastian abru wow this one was really unexpected just <laughs> mostly because of the fact that it's so new yeah but the beginning like after that intro that last maybe about like 10 15 seconds and not anything specific, but it reminded me of, like, a cartoon theme song. Okay. Like, I feel like... I can see if, that. If they turn this into a cartoon, they should take that and make that into a theme song. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, slight correction, this came out in, uh, according to the back of the box, 2020, not 2021. Oh. I think the copy started shipping for the game in 2021, but the game itself was developed in 2020, so... Right, right. But, yeah, music-wise, I love the use of the, like, Genesis theremin really cool stuff the entire soundtrack is just great really top-notch like crunchy kind of genesis metal it's good stuff but kind of mixed in with that spooky vibe it's a very kid-friendly game for this title published by second dimension games they're like an indie publisher and actually i spoke about them on my youtube channel i interviewed the guy who is the programmer adam welch Adam actually was nice enough to send me a copy of the game and the soundtrack. I did just want to mention that we tried to get it digitally just to find it, and we couldn't find it. So I reached out to him since I had spoken with him before during the interview. And he was like, yeah, I'll ship you the game, ship you the soundtrack or whatever. So I have a physical copy of the soundtrack. And it's awesome because the cover art (laughs) is parroting the Green Day Dookie cover and yeah. it says spooky instead of dookie instead yeah. of dookie and it's just i showed it to justin and he just like laughed <laughs> he amazing. was like that's so good it's really spot on oh absolutely yeah like like 100 percent. we'll have to post a picture of it and give him an official thank you for yeah. shipping it to us he didn't have to do that so thanks a lot dude <laughs> but anyways the game itself played a little bit of the game it's a lot of fun it is a action platformer type game where you're playing as these characters who are the protectors of Ilmore Bay. There's three kids. One is named Cole, uh, then there's Scarlet, and then Isa. I think it's Isa. Isa, probably. Isa, yeah. So there's this legend of Ilmore that uh, is in the manual here, and I'll read it for you. Uh, it's the earliest recorded document of Ilmore Bay. It dates back to 1346 A.D. The document outlines an oncoming war like no other, a war between humanity and creatures made of nightmares. There's no known writings that tell any other details about the war, but folks have speculated over the years on what had happened. The Protectors came and saved everyone in Ilmore Bay. Nobody knows where the Protectors had come from, and the statues of them had been forgotten by most until one day. So, jumping to present day, there's a character named Nick Nettles, who is a Woodsboro Mall employee, and he discovers the legendary book of Wicked Carols. The book is said to be a guide to raise the spirits of the Dark Jinn, and with the holiday season soon approaching, Nick wasted no time. I'm sick of playing Santa year after year, he decried. As he chanted the mystical words inscribed on the parchment before him, the calm night started turning into a whirlwind of chaos. The streets started shifting and crumbling, and the cemetery came to life, and creatures of terror roamed the town. Come with me, Nick. It is time to bring upon the ghoul tide. Lead us to victory, and this land shall be yours. The protectors will arrive soon, and we have no time to waste. So... That is the story of Ilmore Bay. You're playing as one of those three protectors. They're basically kids uh, that bust out of these statues that come to life. Yeah, it's a fun little Genesis game. Uh, Second Dimension also recently, uh, they're, they're putting out, uh, they, they did put out a game called Ira the Crow Maiden on the NES. 
and uh, they're also bringing it to the Genesis and Super Ooh. Nintendo. I actually uh, pre-ordered the uh, Genesis version. So. Nice. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Uh, the music is great in, in these games. So, like, so Sebastian Abreu did the music for this one. I've never heard of them before, but they apparently are a composer on YouTube. Most of their stuff is on YouTube here. And they do a lot of like Mega Drive covers of songs or making like brand new music with the Mega Drive Genesis. And that seems to be the stuff that they're doing. Kind of unknown for the most part, but really good stuff. I think they also did the music for the upcoming Ira port on the Genesis as well. Good, good stuff. So one real quick note about this Curse of Elmore Bay game is that it actually stars a celebrity for voice acting. Oh, yes. uh, yeah, it's uh, Danny Tamborelli, who some of you may know as Little Pete from yes. The Adventures of Pete and Pete. So he does the... Also, he was also uh, on All That. Yes, he was on All That. He's in like a punk band or something now, I think. I don't know. He's just doing random cool, yeah, yeah. random stuff. So, But yeah, he does the vocal sample in the beginning. When you first turn the game on, it's like the Curse of Elmore Bay or whatever. So uh, they hit his voice behind the filter. And uh, then if you beat the game, you get to hear another sample that he did. But uh, if you have the soundtrack itself, he did like a full like intro. Like you read a full intro yeah, and yeah. that's on the, uh, the CD as well. Speaking of Curse of Ilmore Bay, one of our sponsors is actually the Woodsboro Mall. They wanted me to tell you to come one, come all, for a ghoulishly fun time at Woodsboro Mall. Every store is giving away free candy for all children under 12 who can finish our obstacle course. But beware, for all the tricks are out to prevent you from treating. No parents necessary. Come on down and scare up some good old fun from the hours of 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. And remember, don't tell your parents... <laughs> it's a little weird. You may want to invite your parents to that. All you kids out there listening, don't be irresponsible. <laughs> good call, good call. Yeah, let's move into your track. Let's do that. So my next track is going to be from the game called Clock Tower 3. This came out in the PS2 in 2002, and the track is going to be A Shadow Creeping Near. This is composed by Kozy Kubo, Norahito Kudo, and Reiji Matsumoto.
Welcome back to our spooky fest festival. That was a shadow creeping near from Clock Tower Three, the 2002 PS2 exclusive composed by Cozy Kubo, Norohito Kudo, and Reiji Matsumoto. This is again one of those types of songs that, much like the Quake song, I kind of tone like tune out yeah. after a certain bit. Um, I dug the kind of almost like hip hop kind of vibe. Yeah, the this. Yeah, like, you know, like if this had like a rapper on it, yo, this would be a this would be fire. For sure. If that little part like I think you could really turn something like that around to be like a quick little sample to use in a rap track like that, but like to me it's like if you're going to repeat something that short, like I was talking about before, make it something that sounds more like a sound effect and less like a song. Because mm -hmm. when it's a, like a song like this, it seems very repetitious. But if you sampled it and use that as like a beat, like put a hip hop beat, you know, behind it, like, you know, like yeah. something like that would catch my attention more than something like this. But I did really like it. It's just, again, after a certain point, I just kind of tune out. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think there was a few loops that we actually listened to. Mm -hmm. Not that it was super short, but just that right. it went on for, for a bit, and I, I get mm. that. That's the thing with the loops, though, is, like, if you don't know that it looped, oh, yeah. that, to me, is, like, a signifier of, oh, wait a minute, did it loop? You know, like, one of those things. That's fair. And, I mean, the there's not like a super distinctive melody or anything to like latch onto like sure. most video game music like you know when it loops because you're like oh there's the start of the right there's the start of the song again. yeah yeah, this yeah. One, it, it kind of like it could be anywhere mm -hmm. but no that's fair i think i had some of the same experiences with this track i thought mm -hmm. that it was fairly interesting just for one the sense that like i'm not super familiar with this game and it, it seems like a nifty game but from the musical perspective like i like the vocal bits to it just the it, it kind of felt almost Castlevania-ish yeah a little bit like that choir yeah yeah like choir samples yeah, yeah. specifically I, I should probably say Symphony of the Night like, okay fun fact that's uh, Mishiru Yamane's sister oh. yeah but then I kind of like the the beat to it it was almost breakbeat-ish okay like, it definitely wasn't a breakbeat no it would have been way crazy but it, it had some of the elements and it was almost like if you took a breakbeat and said like rid it in a little bit yeah <laughs> <laughs> come on tone it down yeah Cool. But yeah, this game I'm not super familiar with. Clock Tower 3 is, <laughs> I thought this was funny, is the fourth game in the Clock Tower series, apparently. Yes. So it's funny because it's called Clock Tower 3, but it's the fourth installment. Yeah, I think it's just because they're considering it the fourth installment because of that re-release or remake of the first Clock Tower. Oh, the one maybe. that came out on PS1. Yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah. But yeah, the... Most of the games tend to revolve around the, the Barrows or the Burrows family. Uh, this is actually a, a side story or a standalone. Um, it doesn't make reference to some of the, the big names in the series like Jennifer Simpson, Helen Mackwell, or like the incidents in Norway. Sure. So this one is just all about a girl named Alyssa Hamilton. It is related to the other games because you're experiencing things that are either from or related to those other games, but through this Hamilton family as opposed to the Barrows family. Oh, okay. So, uh, it's kind of interesting. It's an offshoot that connects, but it doesn't, like, directly connect and lock in with everything else. Yeah. The first game, just to clarify my previous comments, was remade, not re-released, but completely remade oh. for the PS1. That's, that's fair. Yeah. 
So these composers though, Kosi Kubo started out in 1994 doing music coordination on Fatal Fury 2, and very small resume here, produced Gabal Screen in 1996, did music here on Clock Tower 3 in 2002, and then was a composer on Dragon Ball Origins in 2008. Hmm. Norihito Kudo, only credit is Clock Tower 3, and Reiji Matsumoto started out with equipment crew on Gabal Screen in 1996, did additional production on Beatmania Pen Gotamix in 1999, then, then their final audio credit is for Clock Tower 3 in 2002. Hmm. Very small team with not a whole lot of things to go on. But speaking of things to go on, we do have our last sponsor for today's festival is actually from Scissorman Ralph's Barbershop. Yeah. Want to make sure you look your best with a style and haircut to match your freshly snipped off head? Scissorman Ralph's Barbershop is just the spot for you. Just one heavy snip of the giant shears and then he'll go to work on making you look your best. Mention this advertisement and slash 10% off the price of your first and last haircut. Go to www.scissormansnippers.com to schedule your appointment now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, we got to talk to Janine about getting some better sponsors. Sponsors. Yeah. Some of these sponsors are pretty gruesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. tis the season. Tis indeed. Yeah. Speaking, speaking of scary. Speaking of scary, let's move into Scary Monsters. This came out in the Commodore 64 in 1986. We're going to play you the main theme, and it's by Keith Tinman. Thanks for joining us back on our XVGM Radio Spooky Fest 2021. That was Scary Monsters on the Commodore 64, and that came out in 1986. That track was by Keith Tinman, and it's the main theme. What do you think of this one? Uh, I really like a lot of the Commodore 64 and like Amiga stuff that we've been listening to lately. Yeah. And this is no exception. <laughs> Super buzzy, which you know, gets me automatically. Sure. 
but one of the things that I thought was funny is in the beginning there, just the way that, that death mark was going, my brain totally expected it to get darker. Like, do, 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 <laughs> yeah, do, do. Yeah. It, like it didn't, but it was just like my brain went there and I heard it anyway. And I'm like, that's not what happened. My mm-hmm. brain was like, no, that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> so that was nice. <laughs> so I really kind of dig this overall sound, but I don't know if I necessarily dig the composition, so to speak. Like, one of the problems that I have with the Commodore 64 is that all the sounds that are being used on the SID chip kind of combine into this mess. So it all kind of sounds like it's the same instruments. You know what I mean? Some of the Genesis music kind of has a little bit of that at times. That's when you get that like really kind of twarpy yeah. type music. But in this circumstance, I would say that I'm more a fan of the sound than the composition, so to speak. I like the kind of warbly kind of the Commodore 64 winning. <laughs> you know, and the, you know, it almost sounds like an ambulance in a way. Yeah, yeah. You know, but I like the fact that it kind of like warbles in a way uh, when when you're listening to the song, and it kind of does have that like spooky atmosphere because of that. But the overall arrangement is great. It's just the composition itself kind of sounds like, yeah. like it's not bad. I just didn't find it exciting. So Way to put your best foot forward on your picks. Man. I know, man. What the heck? <laughs> But no. uh, but I, I really do like the arrangement and the sounds themselves uh, for, from the music. Yeah, agreed. And to be completely honest, I, I was more lost in just like the sounds that I was hearing mm. than the composition. So I'd, I'd have to go back and listen to it again to actually hear some of what you're talking about. I was just enjoying like the buzzing in my ears. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you stack it up against uh, some other C64 composers, I mean, we just did an episode with Barry Leach where we played some of his C64 and Amiga stuff and all that. And particularly on the C64, to me, it's like the Genesis in the sense that you either have people who are just unbelievable composers and arrangers or you have really neat arrangements with kind of so-so compositions so to speak yeah, yeah. that kind of is how it goes with uh, this type of stuff but I, I am a fan of the SID chip I just think it's better in the right hands yeah so yeah not to knock Keith Tinman or anything in, in his work but this game is pretty wacky you're playing as this character kind of generic looking sprite that is walking around like Athens Greece you're walking around this like greenish area there's like water and everything it's very bright and sunny looking it's like top down but the sprite that you're playing as basically like a map think like Zelda 2 where you're like you're playing as Link and he's walking around the map and then he goes into a building and that's when you get to the side scrolling aspects so the side scrolling aspects turn into you know all blue level or all like Tannish, so to speak. I think the, the colors change depending on which world you go into or which level you go into. But each building that you walk into, you're playing as this like generic character that is just running around throwing what looks to be either a basketball or a baseball. And it's a shoot 'em up. So you could just like th- keep throwing it like a running gun shoot 'em up type style where you're just constantly moving and jumping and throwing stuff, kind of like Contra, but like really, really not good. Pretty straightforward, but. Uh, the things that I, I really took away from the game itself was the interesting transition from the top-down sort of like map kind of style to this, you know, more traditional side-scrolling game. Yeah. Pretty neat. Makes sense. Yeah. Good stuff. Keith Tinman started off with the House Jack Bill in 1985. I don't know if it's any relation to the Metallica track. Probably not. Probably not. 
then moved over to Ark of Yassad in 1985 before he did this game in 1986. Continued doing a bunch of different Commodore 64 games all throughout the 80s, early 90s. Robocop 2 is one of them. Cabal is uh, one of them. 1991's Toki. He did a bunch of games for Ocean on like the Super Nintendo, stuff like the Flintstones, Adam's Family Values, Untouchables, that sort of stuff, before he then started working on games like Wetrix, in 1998. Silver in 1999, he did the effects on that. The Thing in 2002, which was a game that came out on the PS2, Windows, and Xbox. It's a sequel to the movie. The movie The Thing? Yeah, yeah, it's a game sequel to the movie. Oh, wow. Yeah, and uh, his final game that he's credited for is Pushover in 2006, which is a Windows game. Longtime C64 guy. Yeah. All right, I think we're ready to move on to my final pick for this festival. This is going to be Monster Madness Battle for Suburbia. This came out on Windows and Xbox 360 in 2007. The track is Monster Fest and was composed by Ashvin Tofigan. <laughs> my last pick of this festival theme spooky fest episode (laughs) that was monster fest from monster madness battle for suburbia the 2007 release on windows and xbox 360 it was also re-released on the ps3 i think in 2008 or 2009 it was a slightly different name it was monster madness grave danger ah okay and that was composed by ashvin tufkin I'm looking at the character art for the box art, and it looks like Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Yeah, there's supposedly a connection. Because if you go to the Wikipedia site, well, under C also, there's a list of games from window titles, and then Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Oh, weird. It could just be the fact that the phrase Zombies Ate My Neighbors is in the script. Okay. Uh, or there might actually be some other connection there. I don't know what that connection is. Like, I, I read through, and I don't see what the connection is. Maybe... It takes place in a town with the same name or something. I don't fully know. The reworking of this game sounds like uh, they really amped it up. I mean, added 25 new challenges to the yeah. challenger mode, four-player online co-op, changed the controls, 
added a hundred different purchasable accessories, new costumes. They also made it so that the uh, the, the things that you find in the levels for uh, to, to make weapons aren't as random. Because I guess in Battle for Suburbia, it's just complete randomness uh, mm. as far as what you get. And okay. in Grave Danger, it makes like certain levels will will consist of certain items. things. Oh, yeah. okay. So th see, that's cool. Yeah, th this game did not get like it got mostly like mid ratings, like <laughs> fours and fives out of tens. Grave Danger got slightly better. I think it's like five to sevens out of yeah, tens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of people did not like the controls in the game. Mm. There's, there's a lot of complaints about things like. Hitting the, the regular zombies is, is easy, but like the more nimble zombies are basically impossible to hit or just oh. really infuriatingly difficult. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, I like the overall style of the game. Like the art that they use is really cool. Like the game is you know 3D rendered and whatnot, but each of the characters has their own sort of like character arts. There's Zach, who is kind of like the nerd character. He's got like the bull haircut and the, the big round glasses. Sure. There's Carrie, who looks to be like generic goth girl, black hair draped over her one of her eyes. Spike necklace. Spike yeah. necklace, yeah. Uh, purple shirt with a skull on it. Mm -hmm. There's Andy, who looks to be just kind of like a, a stoner skater. Um, he's got like the, the beanie pulled down over his eyes. Yeah. His pants are sagging a little bit. And then Jennifer, who I'm guessing is just like the prettier mean girl. Yeah. Wears a lot of pink, um, tight, short clothing. Sure. This track, I, I really enjoyed. I saved this one for last because this is just one that I, I really kind of got into. It's, it's got a really dancey beat. I also really enjoyed the organ melody. It was, yeah, same here. It, like, it was sufficiently spooky, but it also did some interesting things. Like, I feel like the classic spooky organ generally I'm sorry, the what? The classic spooky there organ, sorry, <laughs> uh, tends to do... Like one of a few things, like either like Bach Toccata or something like um, Baroque. Yeah, yeah. Ge generally Baroque stuff. And I mean, when you get an organ in there, it's almost always going to sound Baroque, unless you're using a different type of organ. But it did something different, and it, it was not a melody that I was expecting. Like it was fun to me because it was something new. Yeah, it was pretty exciting, and that like not breakbeat, but like. You were talking about it had oh. some kind of uh, sounded like a propeller head track. Yeah, there's yeah. a track by propeller heads that I really like called "Bang On." If you look it up on YouTube, "Bang On" by Propeller Heads. It's a really fun song. It's got a really silly opening. That yeah, that's like a faster ver. That's a much faster version of this track minus the organ. Yeah, yeah. There, there, are, there are sounds in this track that are. I wouldn't say that they're lifted from the propeller heads. Sure. But they, it, it is very similar, and as you had said, it almost sounds like they took that sound and slowed it down a little bit. Right, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was digging it. It's it's cool. I really like what was going on with the organ, though. That's yeah. probably the, the star for me, because I'm just Same. a sucker for those type of like Baroque-era <laughs> you know, organs. So. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. So this action person has only a few composition credits, uh, only a few credits, period. Monster Madness Battle for Suburbia in 2007, Monster Madness Grave Danger in 2008, and Dungeon Defenders in 2011. All right, well, the festival is almost over. We're going to make all these zombies go home to their graves. And, you know, anybody who's still alive will have to retire back to their homes. We might be telling them to return to their graves. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I didn't get to say wise from your grave, so wise from your grave. That's true. I didn't. I didn't pick a uh, altered beast, beast track. track. Yeah. <laughs> so instead, we're gonna go out the same way we came in with a Nintendo 
developed game. This is Donkey Kong Jungle Climber. This came out in the Nintendo DS in 2007. This track is called Spooky Woods, and it's by Ichi Kano, Yoshikata Hirota, and Takashi Koga. back to the end of our spooky fest 2021 that track was from dk jungle climber it's donkey kong jungle climber but for whatever reason they call it dk oh yeah jungle climber uh came out nintendo ds in 2007 that track was spooky woods and it's by yuichi kano yoshikata hirota and takashi koga it's a pretty nifty track to end on yeah this is really boppy yeah Agreed. Um, very. I feel like this is very different than a lot of the other stuff that we've played because everything else has been kind of more creepy, ooky, spooky. Yeah. And this has been more a lot like of theremin-ish type stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, comparing to like the Monster Madness track, that was a little bit more dancey. This, I don't know that I'd call it dancey, but like this is definitely more upbeat. This is spooky jazz. Yeah, yeah. This is like fun spooky. Yeah, yeah. I really dig the upright bass yeah, in yeah, this. Yeah. That was the very first thing I noted where I was like, oh wow, like upright bass in a DS game. That's sick. So good stuff. <laughs> This game is a sequel to DK King of Swing, which was a Game Boy Advance game. The gameplay is very similar, but they they designed the visuals to like more resemble Donkey Kong Country. Oh, more 3D. Uh, yeah, more like the 3D kind of ACM style, but um, you know, in less cartoony. Because DK King of Swing was like more like on the cartoony side. Gotcha. Yeah. And of course, you know, you, it's a DS game, so you've got the dual screens. But the whole point of the game is you are using either Donkey Kong or Diddy Kong, and you have to either hold down the L or R button to jump to grab onto these pegs. So you're basically climbing pegs to get to the top of the level, and that's oh. pretty much the whole game. Um, it's fun, but it feels more like it could just be like a mini game, so to speak. Um, this game does have like new moves that you can do in the game new items and mini games and stuff like that but it just kind of feels like it's one of those games that um once you've played a few levels you've played the whole game yeah pretty yeah. much you know not bad not a bad game it's just you know pretty simple not much variety yeah yeah i would say so there is a multiplayer mode you can play up to four characters i think one of which is dixie kong the plot is you are vacationing on sun sun beach as donkey kong diddy kong 
Cranky Kong and probably Dixie Kong as well. But Donkey Kong all of a sudden sees a giant banana on top of a mountain, so the three of them climb the mountain and end up seeing an alien that looks like a banana. <laughs> and the alien's name is Zananab, which is just Banana X backwards. <laughs> but also what they're seeing is King K. Rule and four of his Kremlin baddies, and they're stealing five crystal bananas from Zananab. So DK and Zananab team up to try to get those crystal bananas back. And that's the game. Pretty simple stuff. Composer-wise, Yuichi Kano started off with Trapped in 2005. DK King of Swing was their second game, then this game, and then Glory of Heracles in 2008, where they did final composition on that. Yoshikata Hirota started off with just this game and only this game. And the final composer, Takashi Koga, I believe we may have talked about before, but did Yanya Kabbalista City Skater in 2001. And then did the arrangement of the Double Dragon soundtrack onto the uh, remake uh, that came out in the Game Boy Advance in 2003. Also worked on Trapped, King of Swing, and Jungle Climber, but uh, they also did Donkey Kong Barrel Blast in 2007. Their final game was Zetai Zitsumi Toshi 3, Kowa Ryuku Machi to Kanojo no Uta, which was an IREM game. And that's it. Good times. So everybody go home. Sorry, Spooky Fest is over. But before you go, let's pick our favorite tracks of the episode. This is what we do every episode where Justin and I try to figure out what one we like best. Justin, I'm not going to let you go first. I'm going to go first. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Ooh, this is tough. I did really like that Curse of Ilmore Bay track, but I think I'm going to go with your Monster in My Pocket track. That was dope. That that was a, a surprising, mm-hmm. fun track that came out of left field. Yeah, that's my pick. What about you? What's your second? My second? We, we usually do the top like one or two. Yeah, yeah. I think I'll go with my Curse of Ilmore Bay track. That's I love me some Genesis Theremin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's fair. I think I, too, would be going for Monster in My Pocket as number one. It mm. was just, like I said, when I found it, I was like, oh, this is going in. No, like, for no, sure. no questions. Yeah. So that that was way up there. And then, uh, I mean, your Christian Elmore Bay track was, was really good, mm. and I did not expect that. The intro, though, the the Boo Waltz yeah. was really cool. Like I said, I, I know that I've heard it before because I've played the game. I yeah. did not remember it, and I was really excited to hear just like that blend of orchestral and electronic. Okay, so that's your second pick? Yeah, yeah. Cool. We want to hear what your favorite picks were for the show. Let us know on Discord, Twitter, or any of our other social media. So, we'd like to take a moment to thank our Patreon patrons, without whom this show's continued improvement would be impossible. They are Alex Messenger, Cam Worma, Chris Hart, Dan Lawton, Jordan and Anson Davis, Rage Cage, Kung Fu Carlito of the Heroes 3 podcast, Scott McElhone, Chris Myers, The Autistic Gamer 89, Bedroth, Brad Austin, Chris Murray, Lama Adam, Marcus Stewart, Nathan Cooper, Nick Davis, and Ryan McPherson. If you would like to become a patron, you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash xvgmradio. There you can see the different tiers as well. Just $1 gets you a thank you and access to our monthly live shows. 
You can visit our website, xvgmradio.com, where you can listen to all the episodes and learn more about your hosts, as well as any of our guests or composers that we've had on the show. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can always email us at xvgmradio at gmail.com. If you like what you've heard, please consider giving us a review on iTunes. You can join our Facebook group and chat with other VGM lovers at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash XVGM radio, where we talk about everything from current game news to sharing awesome VGM tracks or just talking about the podcast itself. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle on both those sites is at XVGM radio. If you don't have any other social media or just want to try something unique, check us out on our Discord group chat. Links in the show notes. So next episode, which is coming out in one month, since we're on the one-month schedule currently. Yes. What uh, what do we got coming out, Justin? We are going to be listening to a very special game series with a very special game person. <laughs> yes. We are going to be joined by the one and only patron saint of VGM, Alex Messenger, to listen to and talk about the Yakuza games. Yeah, I have no experience with Yakuza Zero whatsoever. I have zero experience with the games themselves, but the, the soundtracks are phenomenal. Awesome. I'm super excited to talk to Alex on this episode and dive into a franchise that I'm just not familiar with. I've always wanted to check it out and uh, maybe this will send me over the edge to do so. Nice. Yeah. So we'll be back in one month. Until then, this is Mike and Justin signing off for XVGM Radio. Oh, God. Oh, God. I shrecked myself. You shrecked yourself? <laughs> I, I shrecked myself. Uh, <laughs> Check yourself before you shrek yourself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, we'll, I'll, we'll just go back and, and edit over that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I'm thinking of a different game that, okay. I, that I looked up. Yuichi Kano started off with Trapped in 2005, which sounds like a new metal band, but it's it, not. It was... It is. Get out it? of your head, Charles, right? Yeah. I mean, head, Headstrong to take you on. Right. Oh, it is, right? Yeah. yeah isn't that, Trapped? That's, that's the name of the yeah. band. It's T-R-A-P-T. T, yeah. Wow. That's goofy. <laughs>